Hi, I am Andrea, and this is Empowered by Darkness, a podcast for anyone seeking to dive deep into all parts of themselves, especially the darker ones, to become empowered by the integration of these into uncovering your unique expression and purpose. Here we shed light on the self-hatred, the resentment, the need for validation and saving, the fear of being loved, the illusion of power and damaging patterns, and many more topics that will challenge you to bloom wherever you are currently planted. Welcome to your life's work. Take a seat and let's get started. Welcome all to the first episode of the Empowered by Darkness podcast. I am your host, Andrea Medina. I am so grateful to be sitting here today, finally recording this episode that I hope will introduce a project, a podcast that I have really poured my heart into, uh, sharing pieces of my story resources that I have gathered in my journey of, of growth that I hope will be useful to all of you tuning in. I just wanted to share quickly that um, I am actually in a difficult situation for recording a podcast. I don't have my own space and frankly I have very specific time slots that I can sit down and speak to you and be uninterrupted. Um, But I wanted to share that because if you have a message, if you have a story, if you have something that you just want to get off your chest to bring value to others, it doesn't matter where you are in your life and your personal development journey. What matters is that you believe deep down that what you have to say can help another human being. And I encourage you to share that message in whatever way feels right. For me in this moment, uh, it was through speaking. But about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I published my first book. And I kind of went away from social media, from connecting with my followers and my readers for a while um, because I had to discover more of my authentic voice and really hone in on what was the message that I was hoping to get across. And there's never a perfect time to bring that message to others. I think it really boils down to when it feels right for you. And in this moment, it felt right for me. So I encourage you. um, I am, and I will be talking more about this in, in the episode, I am a very ordinary girl, ordinary gal, (laughs) and nowadays with self-love and, you know, this women empowerment that we see all around that is beautiful and, and encouraging, calling yourself ordinary is kind of, you know, the, the contrast to that. And it might seem like I am, I have low self-esteem or whatever you may might have come to your mind first when I said that, because it has kind of a negative um, connotation. But when I said ordinary, I really want you to know that I am currently a student of psychology and I'm working to become a therapist, but 
I am, I live in Compton. I, I am 23 years old. I am probably just like you, you know, living my day-to-day life, learning through my experiences. Uh, But what I've discovered over the past couple of years, it's that our experiences and the way that we grow from them and internalize less lessons, that is very rich. There is a lot of value in that. And you can bring that to somebody who's going about their day and can see themselves identified in that. And yeah, that is why I made this podcast. And I wanted to explain the title of the podcast, Empowered by Darkness. If there is one thing that has completely transformed my perception of self and my way of showing up in the world, my everyday life, it has been continuously acknowledging parts of myself that I consider dark and uncomfortable before. So the name of the podcast, Embracing, you know, Embracing That Darkness, I define darkness as the fears, the insecurities, the limiting narratives, the frustrations, the uncomfortable emotions, addictions, projections, and distorted thought processes that are often kept locked away from the world and are actually actively influencing how we view ourselves and others. So even though they're locked away, they are still very much present in our day-to-day lives. So these aspects can keep us stagnant, can keep us afraid, playing small, and living below our highest potential. So I did not name the podcast Embracing the Darkness because it's one thing to embrace or accept, champion, that you have these dark aspects to your persona. But it's another thing to integrate these into your full self. Seeing that these are what make you your full self, without them, you wouldn't be who you are today, even if you've acknowledged them or you've refused to do so because they are too uncomfortable. So seeing that these make you a whole human being and there's value in them, the purpose of the podcast is really to bring them with you and how you show up and it is here in this place where you finally integrate them into your persona that we can empower ourselves because we have achieved what I call really alchemy alchemy of these perceived dark emotions and thoughts by turning them into our strengths into our story into our authentic truth and our purpose. It is the process by which I have lived for the past four years in order to turn my life around and have it feel authentic. And when I am speaking to you today, it is through that process that I found the courage to sit in front of this mic and tell my story and talk about uncomfortable truths that have lived with me for years and that I am sure, based on my own journey, hearing other people's uncomfortable truths, that you will see yourself identified in one or more of the things that I share 
because it is our humanity. It is as much as we might not want to look at it because we are constantly moving. We are on a go, go, go mentality nowadays in which it is easy to bypass those connections between our story and that of others because we have this individualized pathway that we are very keen on sticking to because it is going to lead somewhere. But my purpose with this podcast is to help you see that you are already somewhere and where you are is very valuable. The emotions coming up when you are in a specific situation, when you are talking to somebody, really feel into how your body responds to that person, to that situation, to those words being said. When we do that, a lot can be revealed about ourselves. But as you probably already inferred, it is not pretty. It is not something that we want to continue to look at voluntarily. So I really wanted to start off with two separate anecdotes about my journey, how I really started off this self-development. I don't really like to call it self-development at times because I don't know if you have noticed, but (laughs) online, really on social media, there has been an increased exposure of that term, of people really posting their take on how you can grow into the person that you want to be. And personal development has many different faces. But I have always advocated for personal development to be your own version of it. Because you are the person that is being developed. You know best than anyone that you can listen to on podcasts like the one you're currently listening to, on books, online, you know best what are those things that you are keeping within that are yearning to be heard and to be given space. And we give space in different ways, ways that feel right for us. I am only a tool and I hope that you will use me as such and that you will listen to your internal voice because it is never wrong. And those anecdotes that I wanted to begin with, the first one is really honing in on the idea that you can make out anything in your life to be what you look for in times of emotional and mental discomfort. And you look at these things to be distractions, to be comfort that we seek when coping Even if we don't realize that we're doing it, if we're not conscious of it, we do it unconsciously to seek safety from the discomfort. So some examples of things that we can turn to are a partner's continuous validation, attention. We can look to continual success in our career, in our job, in our business ventures, We can look toward addictions, addictions like sex, like drinking, like drugs, like social media, being validated by social media, 
I have been really falling into this category. I've fallen into it many times before. We can look toward parental approval. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about, we can look toward just simple day-to-day surviving and being pulled so deeply into the force field that is the struggle that you not only use it unconsciously to bypass internal triggers and pain, but you can also come to use it consciously in the limiting beliefs you tell yourself. You could say to yourself internally, I am too busy dealing with life, which keeps throwing curveballs my way that I cannot afford to stop and look at why I'm feeling despair the past couple of weeks, or why I have felt triggered every time my boss asks for more of me. Or why I have stopped being present every time my significant other talks to me because I deep down feel this insecurity, this yearning to be seen fully, but I don't know how to make that happen. And this last example of surviving is very dear to my heart because I hold deep compassion for anyone that finds themselves in this space, in this mental space. Because aren't we all just doing that, trying to survive our day-to-day, trying to cope with the unexpected battles that are thrown in our direction? I grew up with a single mother, and she has, in a sense, always been in survival mode, especially after becoming a single parent once her abuser left the home, my dad. So I understand that we live in a difficult multifaceted reality that has many moving factors and it can at times feel like we are being carried by a current and we do not have the ability to stop and reflect on ourselves. It's like saying, who am I to take this moment to focus on my personal development when I've got bills to pay, I've got mouths to feed, I've got a business to keep afloat. I've got people asking things of me, left, right, and center. It's a lot. It is a lot. And I just want you in this moment to give yourself grace for everything that you are currently really juggling with. We are human beings. We are imperfect in our ways of handling conflict, handling financial food insecurity. We are imperfect in our ways of coping with extremes, extremes like abuse, like addiction. And there is never a right way of acting. Our society pushes a moral code all of the time. In the case of abuse, for women, I've, I've met a lot of women, including my mom, that feel guilty for not having left their abuser sooner because they might feel that guilt coming from their children. I wasn't able to stop that cycle of, of abuse for them and having them experience day-to-day really battles at home that might have not been physical but might have been emotional and and really verbal and i've 
I've met, you know, women that feel that guilt for themselves. I, I wasn't able to stop that sooner for all of the things that I wanted for me. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do, you name it. And it's hard. It is very difficult to have these external forces pushing at every corner and you having to make your way out while holding this vision of yourself, but really having the closest thing to you be that reality and you can't ignore it. So the story that I wanted to begin with is the story of how I became obsessed with a person, with a man. This obsession came at a time in which I was carrying a lot of weight of emerging traumatic memories of departing connections in my life, of illness in my family, and I perceived others around me as being happy, as being peaceful in their romantic connections. So naturally, in my mind, I made a connection out to be something that was going to bring a relief, a release even, of that weight emerging inside of me. My ways of coping prior to this had, had been achievement, had been drinking, and had been seeking casual encounters with men. So when I had this man come into my life that saw me at a depth that I had never seen myself at before, and as a victim of emotional and verbal trauma in childhood, this depth wasn't very profound to begin with. The person asserted what I now see only scratched the surface of who I am, of my worth. But when he expressed that he viewed me as resilient, and as a role model to others, I tucked away those words in a corner of my mind. But I never expected them to grow in proportion to every kind act that he did for me. Unfortunately, the acts were few, but the growth was exponential, which largely, largely really mirrored my childhood. Um, it reached a powerful size inside of me that it didn't matter when I found out that the man that I had come to feel this attachment to was in a relationship. So over two years, it took two years for me to finally find and feel worthiness that was not generated externally, but rather internally. But over those two years, I confused a man's basic politeness with soulful love and attention and care. And it's often said that survivors of childhood trauma often face the dilemma of wanting to hide from love, from, from intimacy, from vulnerability, but at the same time starving for it. So looking at this situation in hindsight, I realized that I also became dependent on this person's idea of me because deep down I knew that we would never become anything and yet the mental projections and ideations I formed of him and us made me feel as though I had sincere love from a man while staying at arm's length from him 
So one kind comment about my persona from someone else planted itself so deeply in my mind that it made me bypass so many instances in which I was giving more than receiving. I kept wrongfully thinking that by being there for him, he would reciprocate. But when he didn't, I began accepting breadcrumbs of emotional support. Anything was enough as long as I kept the image of him I'd formed in my mind, the one that made me feel like I'd finally found, I've finally been found in the middle of this metaphorical smoke, because up until then, I couldn't really tell you why I was living the way that I was, and I would go more into this into future, in future episodes, I will touch more upon this lifestyle that I was carrying during this time, but this obsession lasted for so long because I was unknowingly feeding myself on a love made up of everything I gave to myself with the passage of time. I gave myself patience to feel, I gave myself a connection to God, a will to grow, but I still kept making out this man, this pretty much a stranger because I never really got to know him. I kept making him out to be what neatly packaged all of these things that I was doing for myself because I didn't trust me yet. I didn't trust that I could give those things to myself. So I projected them onto somebody else and I thought that they were the ones doing that for me. So really why I tell the story is because I relied so much on something external to really not delve delve within, really not look within. And deep down, I knew that what I was doing with this person I had done many times before with my dad growing up. So I had hidden my authentic self from my dad before, starving for a love that I really magnified the expression of, because it helped me bypass loneliness. My, my act of love for my dad that I recalled was a hug probably that I got when I was seven or eight years old, but I held on to it so much throughout the years that the abuse at home got really bad. And I latched onto that sincerity of that hug whenever my dad did things like threaten to kill my mom or threaten to hurt my brothers. And I, I also, like in the situation with the man that I just described, I thought that if I gave my father more of my time, more of my care, he would reciprocate. Instead, his screams and insults intensified, and they left me with a deep fear of saying and doing anything that would provoke these. So when I was finally able to step away from this obsession that I had with the man that I described in the story, it took me a while to tie the dots, <laughs> to connect the dots. It's the expression. I didn't just right away look at the situation and know that it was a reflection of deep childhood pain that I had not processed. What I did know right away was that I felt a liberation once I was able to let go of that unhealthy obsession. And Really, the term obsession might not be the right term because I think that more than an obsession, it was a dependency 
a dependency on someone to be able to look at the parts of myself that I think were yearning to be seen. And it was never going to end up in the situation that I hoped for, in which the person would sit me down and tell me everything that I yearned to hear. And it sounds very much like something that is naive, or you would think, why would she ever expect somebody to see her at that depth, especially when they were, me and this person were really nothing but acquaintances. But my mind and really my soul wanted that visibility and wanted that care. And a lot of the times in life, I feel like we so easily really fall into dependency on people and things, on outcomes to bring peace to us. And I put peace in quotations that you cannot see in air quotes (laughs) because it is all external. It is all, it is all fragile and the deepest roots you're going to find within as cheesy as that sounds. And I say that and I share that experience because the complete opposite happened for me. Just, I think I would say it was six months after processing this experience with with this man in my life. I did something that I'd never done before in my life. And what that was is talk in front of a group of people about my story. What I am doing basically in this podcast, but... I had 35 other faces looking at me talk about really vulnerable things. I talked about my mom's cancer diagnosis, the type of attachment that I had in relationship relationships. I talked about experiencing uncomfortable emotions like depression, like failure, like seeking worth in my academic accomplishments. I talked about domestic violence in my home growing up for over 10 years. I talked about emotional abuse from a parent. And I had absolute vulnerability when speaking to these students because I was speaking at a high school. And these these students weren't too far from my age. And I really, I knew deep down that if I ever had a speaking experience, speaking engagement, I would want it to be at a school. And the reason why, it's not because I'm very close to the age of those individuals and naturally I would probably be invited to speak, Um, but it was because I've always been a big proponent of education and and having education be compassionate and heart-centered So I knew that I wanted to bring my story to a classroom because it was going to be seen by the students as something that they could directly identify with. And I had such confidence in that because growing up, being in a school environment and constantly facing things in my life that were directly impacting my education the way that I showed up to class, I would show up sometimes unable to concentrate because I just kept thinking what was going on at home. Would my dad hurt my mom? Would it 
end up escalating into physical aggression and perhaps him killing her. You know, these thoughts were in my mind as I was sitting in the classroom and I knew, I knew at that age that I couldn't be the only one. So I knew that my story had to first come to a classroom and, and it did. And I was so grateful to see the response of the students and see that they, they felt the discomfort because obviously when I was there, I was sharing things that were intimate and I would look at the faces of the kids and some of them were crying and, and some of them had to step out of the classroom because it was a lot. So the reason I share this anecdote is because in comparison to that first anecdote, in which I gave my power away to a person that helped distract me from the weight of heavy life experiences that that were evoked by uncomfortable emotions, at this point in my life, I knew that I had reclaimed these and I found immense power in that. I found purpose, but most importantly, I found my voice in them. I was no longer seeking to be saved from my story because I had accepted my story through accepting awareness of all of the moving parts. Some were more difficult to hold space for than others, and this ever-evolving process became something that I fell in love with and that I felt confident enough to form a platform for, like this podcast, and share with all of you. Because I will continue to evolve through the years that God may bless me being here on earth for. And I don't want to wait until I believe I am fully evolved, which I don't even think that's possible, to share with you what I have really spent my life focusing on for the past couple of years. And and when I say focusing on, I haven't been studying. I feel like every time we say my life's work, you know, I've been intent on studying X, Y, and Z. I'm not in my desk, on my desk, sitting and reading multiple books about self-development, about healing, about growth. I am living my day-to-day life and holding awareness for it. And in that awareness, I have come to amass different teachings and and reflections and I've had epiphanies and I've had very difficult moments of being in the darkness and having to push myself through just staying there, you know, having to not exercise resistance because I've been so prone to it. But this experience for me that I just shared, it it didn't mean that because I had it, I had stopped immediately wanting someone to save me or come in as a distraction. I didn't just stop drinking. I didn't just stop overexerting myself at work to gain validation. This experience was a window for me, a window into what I wanted for my life. And someone in that audience that I spoke at asked me a very very just pivotal question for me to ask myself that I've asked myself in in the months coming from that she asked me because I mentioned briefly 
that my, my image of success had changed from when I was in high school. And I didn't think she would, you know, latch on to that statement, but she did, and I'm grateful she did, because she asked, how has it changed? What is your new image of success? And I told her, and I tell you, my image of success became, I am standing in my authentic expression, and finally, everything else in my life works around it. My friends, my job, my career, my hobbies, my relationships, they finally stand around that authentic expression and they don't stand beside it. For me, that became success. And it became success because no matter what life threw my way, like I explained to this student when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, my image of success had to change because I kept, I was on a go, go, go mentality when I graduated from college. And I was going to be in my mind successful by having, by um, going to the job that I had lined up after college and doing well in it and just continuing to achieve. But when she became ill, I became a caregiver. So my image of success then pretty much was discarded. I couldn't be this person that just kept going and kept achieving because I needed a moment of stillness to care for the person that had cared for me for so many years. So then what definition of success fits into that narrative? I think the definition that I have come up with for myself can be generalized to the curveballs that life throws because your authentic expression, if you hold on to that, is essentially you looking at the moments in your life that come unexpectedly and holding them in in a candid observation, in a compassionate observation. And and then when you whenever you have the strength, whenever you have the ability to, you work everything else in your life that you now have power over, like your connection your connections, your job, you work that around that expression that is at the core of who you are and that no one can take from you, that no experience can take from you. So the courage to speak in front of these students and talk about my personal story came after a period of really sitting down with some very dark and heavy emotions. And I really wanted to, when making this this first podcast episode, I really wanted to come up with an analogy that could hopefully reach more of you and and help you understand what I mean by sitting with your emotions. So I want you to come along with me and to hopefully this, this is kind of a stretch of an analogy, but I hope you will see the point of it. So let's say that you have icebergs at sea that you're sailing across sea. The first thing that comes to my mind when I say iceberg is the Titanic, but the icebergs are not as big as the one from the Titanic. Um, They're pretty huge, but they're not that gigantic. Um, Let's pretend that you're sailing across sea and you have these icebergs. So you're sailing across sea is synonymous for you sailing across life, across your day-to-day life. And these icebergs are 
emotions. At least what you can see on the surface are your emotions. So a lot of the times as we go about life and we face these icebergs, these emotions that start peeking through the waters of our life, the waters of our day-to-day existence, they are uncomfortable and we sail around them. We do not wait until they dissipate, which if we would have probably waited, they would have. We go around them. But the thing about icebergs is that they have a huge structure beneath them, beneath the, the surface that we can see with our visible eye, that are visible to us. And beneath the iceberg tip, there is a huge structure. So I want you to think of that structure as what I touched upon at the beginning of this episode. All, the structure is all of the limiting beliefs, all of the fears, all of the anxieties, all of the narratives that you've told yourself unconsciously, um, more often than not, throughout your life. And the emotion is kind of the little flag placed on top of those things that we carry within. But that little flag is announcing something. It's announcing something that wants to be seen and wants to be given space for. But we keep going, we keep sailing around the icebergs, diverting from our intended path. And maybe, you know, when we are doing this, we find that we like the new path that we're on, that we're not so bothered about not having stopped and, and waited for that iceberg to melt for us to see what was, with, what was below it. But really through time we start realizing that we just keep diverting and diverting and diverting and we keep seeking and seeking and going and going and we end up in different places from what we originally intended because they are taking us further away from really any discomfort and a lot of people go about their lives avoiding discomfort at all costs they seek the next achievement, the next relationship, the next economic venture, whatever it is that makes them feel like they are moving. But there is also value in sitting still. Maybe one of those iceberg tips was sadness and you had to sit still at sea for a day that translates into a week in your life of feeling that melancholy for perhaps the part of yourself that you gave away in childhood that you didn't know was yearning to be seen and held space for now that you're an adult and you have to hold space for it for about a week and it's uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable but it's needed for you to finally be able to see that iceberg dissipate and continue on with your life as you were living it, but with a newfound awareness. So when we ignore these parts of ourselves, we keep taking detours that are sometimes damaging to us because they take us further away from the core of who we are, the bottom of the iceberg, you know? It's here that we find everything we are consciously looking for in the detours. So for example, if we are seeking fulfillment, perhaps chasing a particular job position, a bank account number, a person, we may find that below that tip of the iceberg, that emotion that we haven't looked at, 
we see that the missing piece is this belief that's deeply within us, that joy, that contentment has to come from something we attain through foregoing our authentic self. So by not acknowledging that internal part of ourselves, we just keep foregoing it and we keep moving beside who we are internally. And that is the best way to lose any trust in yourself because you never really sat down with yourself to see what it is that you needed. So in this channel, in this this channel of communication that I've really poured my heart into opening with all of you, my listeners, I hope to get across the message that avoiding facing these aspects of ourselves doesn't make them go away. They manifest and they express in different ways that are often hurtful to us because they are going against our true desires and needs which are really interwoven into those less appealing parts of ourselves that made who we are as individuals. Perhaps starting since childhood or starting later on in adulthood when you had an experience that really shook you to the core and changed how you viewed yourself. So one concept that I wanted to briefly introduce in this episode is that of the shadow. Um, The shadow in psychology is, in a sense, our wounded self. It's everything we got hurt by and we didn't fully process, and so we repressed it into our unconscious. And we did this as a way to protect ourselves from further hurt and because we often didn't know better at the time. As you would have probably inferred, in many ways, our shadow is born from trauma. So shadow work is trauma work. And it is observing wounded parts of ourselves that we formed through very pivotal developmental parts of our lives. And one thing about the shadow is that when we walk towards it, like if you were shining a flashlight and when you saw yourself walking towards it, your shadow grew really in proportion to that movement you were magnified in proportion to moving towards those parts of yourself that are uncomfortable. You become the focus when you do that, when you shine that light on your shadow, because it is work that you are doing for yourself, for your growth, and for your internal peace. Really, what I hope to do with future episodes is move closer to that shadow with you. Because it is not an easy thing to do alone. And I had to seek out help as well in my journey of doing this. So what I hope to do with helping you move closer to that that part of yourself that is so important in in your development and the way that you show up in the world is help you escape that cycle perhaps of dependency, of, of being a victim that you have been in, that you find yourself in perhaps in this moment that you're listening, that you feel like you don't have your own strength, you don't have resilience because you don't know what it is that you stand for anymore. Perhaps life has thrown so much at you that you have just been in survival mode and you don't have time 
to discover what it is that is your unique voice and the way you want to show up for the rest of your your days. Perhaps you have a fear right now of of doing any of this because you don't know what to expect from it. You don't know what you may find, what you may uncover, and it might be too hurtful to sit with. But I want you to know that I started this podcast to be there with you, to be a resource, to be a companion. And nowadays, I feel like we, as a society, have this low threshold for pain, for bad feelings, for quote-unquote bad feelings, which is really ironic because the social context that we live in has a lot of pain daily that we see on the news, on social media, anywhere that is an outlet. So you only really have to turn on a news broadcast to see this, to see the way the world is suffering collectively. But we really gain sensitivity and awareness to our personal pain when we notice that the world is also going through deep transformation and and struggle in our day-to-day lives. And it's vice versa. You have more compassion for yourself. You have more compassion for others when you notice it in yourself first. And we start seeing ourselves reflected in those around us when we do this this type of work. So I, I wanted to really close off this episode by saying that wherever you are in life right now, this is an invitation from me, somebody that is, like I mentioned in the start of this episode, ordinary, but I think that in many ways we all are ordinary. We all are human beings that are having an experience that can at times feel so challenging that it pushes us to adopt ways of living, of thinking, of perceiving that are are below our truth, our core, who we yearn to express, but we perhaps don't know how to get to and how to bring to light. And I hope to be able to help you do that through sharing parts of my story and sharing really resources that have helped me integrate a lot of those dark parts of myself that I didn't want to look at for years into my light and into my voice. So what I will do with you, hopefully, if you follow me on this journey, is we will open ourselves to that pain that's rooted in our heart and in every part of ourselves that we have disowned. We will explore topics that aren't discussed openly, but that are shared in the experience that we have as a collective and we will allow our emotions to flow in the direction of healing and inner harmony calling back to ourselves those parts that make us multifaceted human beings and we would hopefully stop with victimhood and external blaming and find lasting power and authenticity in really the work of this podcast being descending into the depths of our persona to ascend into the light that has always been there, but we might have never known how to conceive of it in the midst of darkness, 
that is normal and that is also equally worthy of being integrated and being shown and being lived by. So topics that we would explore in future episodes are how do we do this work? Um, One of the topics that I'm very excited to talk about is my journey of of self-hatred and really exploring all of the dimensions of self-hatred. We will talk about the unconscious need to be saved, especially in the context of a relationship. We will talk about rising out of trauma through achievement. We will talk about only feeling happiness about what's next in life and not being able to be in the present. And we will talk about the illusion of power and giving away one's body as a woman. And we will also talk about finding safety and seeing life in a cold and a detached way. And many more topics that I am so excited to cover and to bring to this space. And I just wanted to end this episode thanking you for being here with me, giving me your time. Time is so valuable. And if I've learned anything in the past couple of years of of delving within and, and doing this reflection, it has been how valuable time is when we really put it into something that makes us feel warm inside and makes us feel understood and 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 given space for because all we are really looking for is that space that room to explore who we are and really grow into who we want to show up as but really knowing that we are valuable in this moment as we are and we will always be that way so thank you thank you so much for for listening and i hope you will tune in for future podcast episodes so have a great rest of your your morning your evening your night whenever you are listening and i am sending you a big hug so thank you so much take care there is no right time to begin working on the parts of ourselves we may have neglected for the majority of our lives If you're here, it is for a reason. I am so proud of you for asking the tough questions and delving into what comes of these. May you find the deepest healing and transformation on this path. Thank you.